Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to part two of this week's Clash of the Titles, the podcast up for the month of October. Pitch two horror movies with lots in common against each other in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. That's right, it's a Halloween countdown that is... Shocktober! So, we spent Monday's episode helping Reagan out of a possession pickle, which means today Georgetown is once again the site of a possible possession, as that man in the cellar claims to be deceased Gemini, a serial killer. And boy, does he have a lot to say from 1990. It's The Exorcist 3. Satan grows stronger. You believe in possession, Father? He has found a haven. Come to take a little blood from your father. He has taken possession. The boy had been crucified. His web widens. I've just never seen anything like this in 20 years. So which film in this week's Possession Punch-Up will be victorious? We'll have a winner at the end of the show, so let's get it on. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. Shocktober! Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Butters. My wife's mother is visiting. Father... And Tuesday night, she's cooking us a carp. It's a tasty fish. I have nothing against it. But because it's supposedly filled with impurity, she buys it live. And for three days, <laughs> it's been swimming up and down in my bathtub. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris. <laughs> dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. If I do enough dialogue, will I get another Oscar? <laughs> <laughs> do, do you think that went through his I think he's like, do, I, do you, I'm a wordsmith. Do you know what, you know what the Academy needs? <laughs> Carp analogies. I believe, and I don't know this, because I don't think any of us have read the book, have no, we? Legion. Uh, I believe, it's, I believe um, that speech is from The Exorcist. 
and it wasn't put into the Exorcist. Are you joking? And so he uh, used it in this film because he thought he should. Because he thought it was that good. It should yes. have got cut out first. Time. <laughs> whose uh, bathtub is the cart meant to be swimming around in? In the Exorcist, is it Reagan and Chris's bathtub? Because cool. that I wouldn't. I still think Kinderman. It's a Kinderman anecdote. It is. Right. It is. Okay. So he's going to... Oh, sure. I tell you what, not to... Because he is an Oscar-winning screenwriter, but when he's like, if I have to see that car up one more time, I'm going to kill it, it doesn't work as the button on that dialogue exchange because your wife was going to kill it anywhere to eat. Mm. Stupid. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Let's not get bogged down. <laughs> I got... I was like, fuck it. <laughs> that, that's the problem with it. It's one of the problems with it. Um, Am I wrong? No, I'm not. I I'll mean, kill it. She's going to do... Whatever. Be, uh, I'll kill it before my wife does. Sure. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> On Monday, Chris was dealing with the OG, and today I'm dealing with part three. Could a threequel possibly be better than the original? Jeopardy, jeopardy, jeopardy. Let me take you on a journey. Lieutenant Kinderman, the cop from the first movie, who I only recall sharing one scene with Father Karras, but was apparently BFFs with the priest, is now having the best bromance with Father Dyer, the priest who definitely was friends with Father Karras and shed a tear when discovering his body in the first film. Anyway, these two will be, as Queen sang, friends till the end. Unfortunately, that end arrives far too swiftly for Father Dyer, who was drained of blood by the Gemini killer, seemingly back from the dead. Or is he the dude locked up in the secure ward of the hospital? Let's ask him. I'm sure it'll be a quick chat so we can move on. Nope. Still in the cell? Yeah. Still in the cell? Are, are we ever leaving the cell? Who is Father Morning? How is Father Karras back from the dead? With the amount of time we're listening to this monologue, you'd assume we'd have answers. But no. Instead, cue an effects-driven ending, completely odds with the rest of the film, that the director absolutely did not want the end. Except that, once again, you have a police officer murdering an unarmed man. I look forward to that chat. Clash butters for your consideration. The Exorcist. Three histories with this movie, Chris. So trying to pick what to do the exorcist with was tricky. Mm. And that's why we've not done it for a while. You know, sometimes we're waiting, we're thinking, we're getting suggestions. There's good exorcism films. Emily Rose is good. Last Exorcism is good. But we just didn't know what the hell to do it with. And then I just re- remembered watching this when I was about the same age as what's the first one, about 15. Mm. And remember being a little bit confused by it. Yes. But thinking... It was one of the most frightening films I'd ever seen. And I, although the re- it had a bad reputation then, I do feel like its reputation has grown over the years to people saying, this is a very frightening Exorcist film. And so that's my story with it. And that's why we picked it, because I just thought it would be interesting, especially as it's sort of a direct sequel, mm. forgetting the second one, and it's Blatty. Yeah, I think I, I'd never heard of it. But I think there are moments in it where it's like, this is genuinely absolutely terrifying. Mm. Little flashes. Yeah. Mm. And then there's some very odd stuff going on and yep. it gets really confused. But there are some bits in it where you're like, oh, if it was all like this, mm. it would be unreal good. And then it's interesting reading the story around it. And a lot of the stuff that doesn't work, you can understand. Like, yeah. I'm, you mentioned Father Morning. I'm sure we all wrote down, who the fuck is Father Morning? <laughs> but then you read about the making of the movie, like... Oh, that's what happened. Yeah. And, and, then, and then stuff in the cell where it's like, who are we talking to? Which actor? Yeah. Oh, now I make sense of it. Now I've read the behind the scenes. Yeah. But it's, um, so it's an interesting, I think it's an interesting story to tell as well. Yeah, uh, it's, I enjoyed watching this movie very much. I, you kind of hinted at it, V. I, I think there are certain images in this that I found scarier than anything in The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I really think there's some genuinely disconcerting images in this. Uh, this was... A first watch to me. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about it. So, 
Uh, William Peter Blatty comes up with the idea for an Exorcist 3 with a, a view to working with William Friedkin again because he just loves a man who sets off guns on a set. And bans him. Uh, <laughs> so he's like, I don't like being on set. If you could ban me, I'm definitely up for working with you again. Uh, so they start working on a script together and then creative differences cause Friedkin to leave the project. Uh, so with the film stalled, Blatty instead turns his idea for a third film into a novel called Legion. Released in 1983, becomes a bestseller. This reinvigorates Blatty and he decides to turn his novel into a screenplay and starts looking for a director. Cue our old friend, multiple films done at this time of year from this man. John Carpenter is who he sits down to have a chat about directing this movie. Um, they had some creative differences themselves, but I found a quote from uh, John Carpenter where he talks about his experience. I met with Blatty over the course of a week, perhaps a week and a half. He had director approval, so he was testing and probing me to find out who I was and how smart I was. He's won an Oscar, don't you know? How <laughs> smart I was and whether or not I should direct the film. I was ambivalent about the script, primarily because it didn't have an exorcism. I kept mm. suggesting a third act exorcism and pushing the both of us to come up with some new, exciting, grotesque devil gags. He was resistant. He wanted to direct it and wanted to stay very close to his novel. So I withdrew from The Exorcist 3. Yeah, I'm all for mixing up the, your approach to the, this kind of film, but... I do think it needs an exorcism, <laughs> you know? Um, Knives Out did it cleverly in that first film. Was it a murder? Was it not a murder? Maybe it wasn't a murder in the first Knives Out, and it, it sort of it cleverly throws you off. So I get doing a whodunit and finding a way around it, but when it's The Exorcist, I do think it needed an exorcism. Well, when it's called The Exorcist 3 as well, mm. you expect yeah. an exorcist to appear. And yet it, it was going to happen without it, wasn't it, until these mm. reshoots happened? Yeah, absolutely. The original version had no exorcism in, but in Blatty's defence, because obviously you're like... But it's called The Exorcist 3. He did not want to call it The Exorcist 3. He wanted to call it Legion. He mm, wanted to name right, it after his book. And his argument was The Exorcist 2 yes. was so poorly received. Calling this The Exorcist 3 is just going to scupper the box office, which it did. I nearly watched it this week just, just mm. for, for, for the sake of this podcast. And I just couldn't do it to myself. Yeah, I mean, he tells a funny story where the studio, I think it was Morgan Creek, call him in uh, after the third week it was released. Box office was never going to do well. Uh, it was dying. And they said, we'll tell you the reason. It is going to hurt and you're not going to like this. The reason is we called it The Exorcist 3. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I couldn't believe it. They had total amnesia about my warnings. Uh, it did okay. Yeah, uh, forty-four million on an eleven million dollar budget. It was Better. that weird summer where the best films of the nineteen seventies got these weird sequels that just did all right. So you had a Godfather sequel, you had a Chinatown sequel, and you had oh, a yeah. Nexus sequel. And it's like, what were we thinking? Oh yeah, <laughs> but, I hate but, that but, film. <laughs> <laughs> but funny enough, this is the one I think whose reputation has grown the most since since that summer. Yeah, I'd uh, I'd, I'd agree. Uh, there's a lot to talk about with the ending. And what happened. But I thought we'd do that at the end. Right? Yeah, I love doing we'd that. We'd do that at the end. Yeah. It's one of my favourites. <laughs> uh, so, shall we go through this movie? Yeah. Yes, please. Okay. We're back at the stairs. The Ooh. iconic stairs that were featured. I remember this movie, although I never saw it at the time, in Barker's Video Store in Leeds. Once again, shout out to Leeds for having a road called Street Lane. Uh, they, this video cover scared me. 
Like, because I, I, I hadn't seen The Exorcist at this point. Really? Yeah, it was the stairwell and the figure at the top. There was something really mm. ominous about it. So... We've got Lieutenant Kinderman. He's remembering Damien, that close, close friend. <laughs> so it, it, it literally made me go back and check The Exorcist. Yeah. Yes, they've never met before. The first time he meets him is at the track, yeah. 30 minutes in. Uh, they immediately get on to exorcism work. Yeah. And then he dies. <laughs> when did they have time to take that fun photo together? Oh, yeah. He's looking at a photo He's of them like, oh, hanging Damien. out. My best friend. <laughs> uh, from what I read... Uh, Kinderman plays a much bigger part in the original Exorcist novel, sure. and so that is why. He's, he... This is a sequel to the Exorcist film. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And so we already get some action, though. The doors of the church fly open. Jesus's eyes open. Quick question. Sure. When that was painted, did they paint eyes on, then paint over them? So that when he opens his eyes, he's got eyes. <laughs> Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. Sure. That, so that's what happened. It's supernatural. It looked quite cute. I mean, the sound mix is quite scary because it's very loud when they blow into the church, but then Jesus is like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Just ridiculous. <laughs> Leaves. Oh, Leaves in my church. <laughs> uh, yeah, we get some cool... I mean, you know, we talked about POV shit and why it's so scary, but that thing walking down the street, POV, yeah, noises, little kid there breathing heavily... And then we find out that 15 years ago to the day that Karras died. Mm. Um, we find this out because Philbin won't stop asking Father Dyer questions. Get lost, will you, Philbin? Get lost. Philbin just won't shut up about it. Kevin Corrigan. Hmm? He's popped up in films we've done. He's in Goodfellas. Oh, yeah. Henry, Henry Hill's brother, I think. Uh, now we've got Ed Flanders, who is taking on the father dial role. Uh, George C. Scott uh, taking on the role of Lieutenant Kinderman. Oh, he's so good in he's this. He's really good. So good. I think he's unwatchable. Really? I think he's terrible. <laughs> I think he's over the top. I wish we had Lee J. Cobb in the role. Do uh, he sadly <laughs> passed away. I think that George C. Scott doesn't know how to be emotional on camera in a realistic way because he goes from one extreme to the other so quickly. Yeah. Not my favourite part of this film. I think he's good when he's a cop. When he's talking about you in the room, you're racist. Just like, it's like, this is great. This is zipping along. Then we get really heavy into like, look at our bants. And it's like, it's murderous. And then there's just no setup of him thinking or believing much. So that when at the end he's like, I believe in murder or whatever he's saying. It's like, all the bad things. All the bad things. <laughs> I can't specify them, but all of them. But you're like, well, just I, a blanket I'm belief. Sure you do. Like, it's not, this isn't like the dissolution of your soul. It's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all right. I'm, Always dislike George C. Scott. Right. I just think he's over the top You've in everything. Think, I think yeah. it must have begun here. I think this may be the first Which thing I saw I him in. I think this speaks volumes about the kind of things we like because I think he's bloody fantastic here. <laughs> well, I look, think he sits so well in a movie that from the get-go is so offbeat, so off-kilter, you're not sure well, what well, it's what doing. Well, what I'll say to you then, is I, I think Bad Dourif is very over the top in this film and I think he's great. Mm. Yes. I just don't think it works for my cop character who was quite believable in the first film. Anyway, that's yeah. just my issue with Scott. I've said it now. Okay, okay. Uh, we've got that out there. Well, I like the bit that you're talking about. He's making fun of his staff, calling yeah. them racist. He wants to file on the Gemini killer who's been dead 15 years. I wrote down, good dialogue. Good yeah, snappy is, dialogue. I like it. And it's interesting, isn't it, that, that you've got the racism here, the anti-Semitism he talks about in the, on the police report, and then we get the the uh, the sort of um, black makeup on the on the Jesus statue. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this weird undercurrent of racism in this film that yeah. that was not part of the first story. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I do think one of the strongest suits in this film is the relationship of Kinderman and Dyer. I just think they are fantastic. I think it's ridiculous. Oh, really? <laughs> when they're in the hospital, it's like, what is happening? Why are you so close? It's and so yet, nice. But then he's like, I brought you the paper. This paper? Yeah, this paper. Jesus Christ. Like, it, it's, it's comedic. But it has no place. Uh, well, here's the thing. I really like that because I think when you have, like, something... I wrote down, if this didn't have this horrible murder of this kid, I'd be watching a comedy right now. Yeah. It feels like a comedy, but I think that offsets the horror so well. You just... It, misfo- it like, misfoots you. You're sort of like... But wait, wrong I like, foots I like you. You're sort of like, okay. Friendship, but then when Father Die is dead and George oh, Kinderman is like, get away! He's dead. Mm, You're like, oh, I didn't realise it would hurt you that much. It's like they wanted them to be a couple, but they were too scared to do it because it's the nineties or whatever. Uh, I mean, I just, I, I think, I think it's hinted at just how close they are from the start. The fact that they both claim to their friends they have to go to the cinema to cheer the other up. Yeah, I like that. Like, I think yeah. that's a really funny little plot point. Yeah, that they both think they're doing it for the other one. And I mean, I although love... it's fifteen years after Karis died, mm. the, the Exorcist took takes place around Halloween. Yeah. Why are they screening It's a Wonderful Life at Halloween? It's a really good question. It ain't, it ain't a Halloween movie. Teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's such a good question. That's a great question. Oh, I didn't think of that because I was uh, enjoying the fact that Dyer's addicted to lemon drops. Just little <laughs> character pieces like that. Do you think that's Blatty going, I am. Um, Watch go- this. I'm going uh, <laughs> to throw something in here that's. You're just going to be like, what? I love it. It's sort of, it's little bits that make you go, oh, that's Oh, sweet. he's a real person. He's yeah. Nice he's I'm lemon drops. <laughs> I, I, I can I'm al- like him. I can already this see. This is so relatable. I can already see we are coming at this movie from very different angles. It's a great fairness, it gets done pretty quick, so uh, it's okay. Uh I will say, I just wrote this down. At no point when I started watching this did I expect a monologue about a carp in a bath. Fine. No, I love I'd... this film. <laughs> That's what I also wrote down. I'm like, I'm totally sold on this. Do you know, I'll go now. It reminded me of watching a David Lynch episode of Twin Peaks. Okay. I was watching this going, this is so weird that it smashes up strange, weird behaviour from characters that offers no explanation as to why with this abject horror. And do you know what and it I is? I love those it, two it's, things it's together. It's because the whole film has a dreamlike quality. Mm. You've got a dream in the film, yeah. which feels, you know, like someone trying to do David Lynch. Yes. But you've also got the whole thing feels like that. Um, if you like this style and this tone, Blatty did direct another film, which I've seen. Mm. And this it's it's this up to eleven called the ninth the ninth configuration. Send it my way. Didn't understand a word of it, didn't know what was going on. It's very watchable. Oh my god. That's 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 my next movie watch. And I think a lot of the actors from this are in that, if I remember rightly. Uh, just a balance. Uh, monologues about carp. We do get a truly horrific description of this boy's mm. death. Yeah, the- but it's so funny because it's like they chopped his head off. Okay. And then they put ingots in his eyes. Oh, okay. Mm. And then they put makeup on. Right. And then they crucified him with oars. It's like, is there anything else? Like <laughs> later on when they're like, there and is. then they opened her up. And then they put rosaries in there. You're like, okay, it's no. just, it's parody almost. It's like a sketch where someone's like, and then another thing, and then another thing. Well, we're not really done with the boy's death because we get that initial description and then it's almost like, actually, there is a bit more. He was injected, <laughs> oh, yeah. so he was paralysed but <laughs> conscious as they chopped his limbs off. It's so oh, no, sorry, chopped his head mm. off. Yeah. He was still awake and you're like, fuck, yeah. 
Me, this kid died a horrible death. I was thinking of Seven, because Seven is obviously like, oh, and then this, and then this, and then this. But Seven, for some reason, is just horrifying. Maybe they just had a little bit of restraint compared to this. Your human brain, for two things, chopped your head off, ingots in your eyes, that's awful, or you're conscious, but too much horror, and your brain just goes, I now find it funny. But, I mean, there are similarities with Seven, aren't there, in terms of we we don't see any of the murders take place, but we see the aftermath or hear the after. We we more see them in Seven, but we hear them here. So it's it's a similar sort of MO going on. I agreed, and I I, I was... When the description of having his head cut off as he was still fully aware is the choice of words they use, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, this is, I'm visualizing it and it's nasty. Apparently, he died from slow asphyxiation in the end. Yeah. But that's when you say slow, what are we talking? A few minutes? Not the end of the world. Is it not? I don't think it's fine. Fine. Dumb. Tick. So, as you said, you mentioned this earlier, um, father dies in hospital. Kinderman brings him a penguin that he found on the street. That is lovely. It's great. <laughs> I wish they didn't go on about it so much, but it is cute. Uh, did you spot this? As uh, a nurse leaves the room, this is... If, if you wanted the moment where I went, I am fully into this movie, this movie is now going to have to work to make me not like it, it's when the nurse leaves the room and... Father Dyer says, go in peace, my child. May the Schwartz be with you. Mm, that hasn't dated well, has it? What does that mean? Is it's it seasoning? A, it's it's a, a line from Spaceballs. It's weird. It's like oh. it's Kevin Williamson's made this. Because a bit later on, um, you've got, uh, whatchamacallit, you've got the Gemini killer, Brad Dourif, saying child's play. And yes. obviously he's just made Charles play. He's yeah. known for Charles play. To put space ball lines in and talk about the fly, it's like, are we in a Kevin Williamson script? It's like, I'm not sure what tone he's going for here. May the Schwartz be with you. It's perfect. <clears throat> it's wonderful. I loved it. Uh, it just yeah. takes, takes me out of the movie completely. I mean, I, I sort of... I like how challenging it is. I like the fact that you ping pong from one scene where you're talking about a kid being alive while he's decapitated to a space balls reference. Maybe he thought people would get that reference... 30 years later, but unfortunately, <laughs> only people yeah. who are around then will get that Showing reference. a lot of faith in that movie. <laughs> uh, this is my first misstep for the movie. Kinderman might not be the best cop. He <laughs> walks towards a lift. There is a missing Jesus head from oh a statue. Oh my God, he doesn't it's even know staring it right there. You're like, <laughs> so remember when we, we were just told as the audience about the kid's head being yeah. replaced with Jesus. Maybe the hospital is the best place to start looking. I, there's I, I, now, I think we didn't notice it either until the camera tells us to go look at it. I think it's like a lot of things in this film, it's sort of hiding in the background. He's Maybe. a cop. He, he's a yeah. cop. He's been banging on about this Jesus head. He should notice that statue. Um... And then we get more talk about the priest who was killed. His vocal cords were paralysed. He couldn't cry out. More nightmarish death. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. That scene is very... I think that's the the first really, really frightening scene when the the creepy voice starts coming out the other side of the confessional. (laughs) And then you've got all this bleeding. But you don't see it, but... A lot of this film's left to your imagination, which I think works in its favour. I didn't know much about it before I started watching, but at this stage where Kinderman goes two different people committed these murders. Mm. I'm like, oh, cool. So it's like Fallen then, which is obviously a demon swapping bodies as and when it needs to in the movie. And I'm frustrated that I worked it out now. Granted, I'd seen Fallen and I don't think George C. Scott had seen Fallen, <laughs> but I'm like... Hadn't been made yet. How... How quickly is he going to work this out? And it, it's not very quickly. No, it's not. It, I mean, I'm I'm starting to shout at the screen later on in this movie, going, yeah. just come on. <laughs> Come on. Is someone letting you out of here? No. Obviously no. not. No one's letting him out of there. What a stupid thing to say. 
But I find the plot quite confusing. Honestly, I did find this. I didn't really. Yeah, but you know it's a possession. I don't know because it's called The Exorcist Three, so you're like, oh, it's a possession drama. Horror, mm. and it takes a very long time, and then it's really confusing. But it's confusing within the lore of the demon. It makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about? I think we touched on it on Monday. This wonderful dream sequence. Oh my god! At first, I was livid. I was like, "Fuck this film forever. This is a stupid <laughs> film." And then I was like, "Hang on, what's happened? This is a brilliant film." Right? <laughs> I don't know. Again, it takes me out of the mood. I didn't. I didn't like the use of the celebrities. No, I thought that would drive you mad because yeah. you talk about Fabio sometimes. I don't really I do. know who got Fabio hit, is. The, the roller coaster. That's he got hit it, by yeah. a seagull. So on a roller I only know who Fabio not a, is. Not a seagull. He got hit by a goose. A goose. <laughs> a goose <laughs> broke his face. nose. But I only know who that is because you've shown me or you've told me about Fabio getting hit by a goose. But do you know how he became? famous Through he was the Exorcist model that was used on the front of romantic novels mm. oh. he was the big muscly blonde man that oh, they would I put see. you know with a, next to a wench yeah the lost city yes uh, Channing Tatum yeah, basically yeah. playing him so you've got Fabio you've got Patrick Ewing who even as a non-basketball fan I recognise is a very famous player from okay. that period but it's a bunch of like it's it's a bunch of players who were Georgetown Bulldog legends because William Peter Blatty was from around there it'd be like me sticking a bunch of Crystal Palace players yeah. in a it's like it feels a bit self-indulgent, a bit indulgent, and it, yeah. I know it's a dream logic but it just pulls me out mm. Also, they're not dead, uh, which is key because everyone in that sort of dream <laughs> sequence should be dead. But it's his... No, isn't it his dream? So it could be anyone, isn't it? I don't know, because when Father Dyer turns up, he seems to be like, Oh, I'm dead. No, <laughs> not you. And then sure yeah, enough... he is dead. We're so, back in the hospital. Samuel L. Jackson's in that scene. I think he's a blind yeah. man and they've dubbed him. I mean, obviously he wasn't famous at that point. I know. But he was, must have been a good enough actor to do his own voice. Yeah. <laughs> Samuel L. fucking Jackson. <laughs> Goddamn motherfucker! Motherfucker. <laughs> uh, so Dyer is dead. Uh, we see all that blonde uh, blood uh, lined up. Mm. Shots, blood? shots, shots! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's a lot of shots of blood. Is there. it forced perspective because there's not enough blood? Because when you see the blood, I was like, that's not enough blood for a human body. But then it was like a forced perspective shot. I was like, oh, I'm wrong. It is big jaws. So I did a, a lot, doctor did a lot of research on this. Uh, I I worked out there's probably about seven pints on that table. Okay. The human body contains eight to twelve pints, so it's it's close enough. Yeah. Okay. And, Fair a bit, enough. It's, and a bit's been used to write. Mm. Oh sure. Um, yeah. Again, this is one of my moments though, where The Exorcist is so good with the reactions. Like so many moments in the first film have have people running into Regan's room and you see their face looking at what's happening before we see what's happening. It's yeah. really well done. Here we don't see stuff. We see. George C. Scott's reaction to what's happening, it's a bit much. He's a, he's a stoic man. It's a bit big. Do you think? I don't I, I think he's quite reserved, isn't he? What does he do? I he mean, looks, later in the film he when he starts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that nurse is fucking frustrating. I mean, she is a <laughs> yeah, nightmare. He goes straight to 11, though, doesn't he? I mean, he's. I think it's about interview three when she's going, it should be in the file, that he goes, it's not in the file! <laughs> it is not! It's really silly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it as silly as, uh, right, Dyer's dead, lock down the hospital, except for emergencies. Which is all of it. Probably a lot. <laughs> That's probably quite a busy hospital. It has an A&E also, room. I was obsessed with it. Lock down the hospital. Right, hello, I work at... Can I go home? No, but I have to go home. You can't. Maybe sneak out when they're bringing some emergencies in, because <laughs> yeah. I'm allowing that. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, yeah, uh, that weird nurse. This is when I started going, oh, Twin Peaks, she's she's quite difficult. And then Miss Cle- Mrs. Clelia. Mrs. Clelia's amazing. Mm, yeah. 
holding an invisible telephone, not a radio, idiot. What does she say? It's all anchovies and something. What's happening? It's great. Yeah, it's really I good. I love this. I love but how But also weird she's got a little tremor in her hand. I was obsessed with her hand. Like, is that a real tremor? Or is she playing old? I just was like, she just plays old, confused, quite scary lady, but... You need to, I don't know, I just thought it was really, really convincing. Like, they'd got an old scary lady off the street and gone do no, that. No, I think she's acting. Yeah, but yeah. she's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't Friedkin. Get me a real old scary lady. With a tremor, please. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> there's a severe, dangerous ward, which is scary, where people, you get sealed in. I quite like, I mm. quite like we go down to this dark, dingy basement. I don't need the whole bit about he only kills people whose name begins with K. That's fucking what? stupid. Yes. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. And then, because then the dialogue, I mean, if you think the carp thing's hokey, then it's like, but Father Dyer's middle name yeah. was Kevin. What are we doing here? What? That, this, is, this is stuff out of, you know, you mentioned special. This is stuff out of the Mel Brooks film, suddenly. Yeah. His but, middle name was Kevin. Because, you know, right. they, they sometimes have an MO, serial killers, but the, the K yeah. is not... A... And then later on, I've obviously lost the term, it's like, oh, you're going after Amy and Julie or Julia, so where's the K thing gone? The K thing's gone, so why did we have it? It was very frustrating. Yeah. Thankfully, we've got a bit where he's wandering around a church, which is very creepy, uh, where he goes to see the boss priest. Um, then we get this scene that I'm guessing was maybe added later, where Father Morning is dealing with his dead sparrow, which is a clue that he's an exorcist. Yeah. And he's going to come back later because the demon killed his sparrow. Yeah. Do you know what I thought it was? Oh. And I like this. I think I was like, this is maybe one of the best bits of the film. <laughs> Is in the logic of the film you've seen before, and I'm, and I'm kind of in this, but really you're only going to see this if you've seen The Exorcist. Oh, he's going to be possessed or killed by the demon that killed his sparrow, but it's Jesus coming to summon him or something, isn't it? God going, I, you are needed, Father yes. Morning. Right. So I, th- but I think the beat there is this guy's a fucking badass, and when he turns up at the end, secret weapon, and yeah. he's not, and he gets killed immediately, <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck was the point in setting him up with his dead sparrow? But you're, you're saying that this scene was ended because the story goes that that uh, the studio wasn't happy with Blatty's version of the film that didn't have an exorcism, even though they would have read the script beforehand, and so made him introduce an exorcism, and that's why, where Father Morning comes into of it. Course, yeah. And bless him, Blatty, a lot of directors walk at this point, but he says, no, I want to get this made, I'll do it, and he, shoots, it. What, he shoots what they want. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's why Nicole Williamson, great actor, um, but yeah, it just it comes out of nowhere, doesn't Good face, it? good face. Uh, almost gets away with it because of that face. Um, I do like this psychiatric doctor. Oh my God, he's so good. Isn't he great? So weird. He's got boobs me feel sick. on the wall. He's got boobs, but in a sort of smoking. pentagram. So, chain like, smoking. Oh Are you talking about uh, Temple? Dr. Temple. Is the site, like head psychiatrist person. The guy who's smoking the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's fam- He's um in The Walking Dead. Did you watch uh, The Walking Dead? He's oh, in the, a lot yes. of it, yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, he's yeah. a big part of The Walking Dead. He's a great actor, Scott yeah. Wilson. Um, it's great because you're, you know, he's playing it big and broad and yeah. you're scratching your head and you're making like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Uh, but that, then that makes sense. I dislike it because it makes sense. So the fact that he's rehearsing his speech, yes. I think is just wonderful and weird and just a lovely bit. And then when they explain it like he was told by the Gemini did. killer, yeah. it, it takes it away. It's like, oh, that's a shame because it was just wonderfully weird. I but I think we need so... more of that, that this demon is the puppet master manipulating everything <laughs> to get into a position where at the end, Kinderman will shoot him unarmed and Kinderman's fucked. You, oh. you say you want more of it. We're, we're about to descend into the basement for a good 20 minutes <laughs> yeah. of this film, Chats. which we'll do after this short break.
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So, yeah, we've got the guy in the basement says he's the Gemini killer. Smash cut to Kinderman's face looking at the man in cell 11. Great. You like a reaction shot? What do you think of George C. Scott there? Fine. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> bit, bit broad. A bit big. <laughs> uh, we get this unnecessarily difficult nurse again. And Kinderman <laughs> is just, he's pretty sick of her shit right now. Uh, <laughs> what was he like when he was brought in? Any blood lacerations? That would be in the file. <laughs> uh, so uh, Kinderman has a funny turn. Doesn't go anywhere. Looks like he's going to kill over. And then Kinderman says, Father Karras was my best friend. <laughs> I loved him. Mm. Again, don't remember that. So uh, Karras is in cell 11. Yes. Now, I got a bit confused here. You might know, Jason Miller wasn't in the original idea and then he was brought in later on. I couldn't get any detail on I, that. I believe they reshot all these scenes. There was a different, different set, mm. a different cell, and it was 
all Brad Dourif, but then they brought Jason Miller in. Yeah, but Jason Miller, because of his alcoholism, couldn't do the scene, so they had to use Brad Dourif. Because we're seeing the Gemini killer Brad Dourif, mm. but I believe Kinderman is always seeing Karis. Always. They should and make so, that clear, I think. Yeah, and so we should be seeing... Because you're like, why can't you see this? We should be seeing Karis, but I believe we aren't because the actor was just not capable of it because of his, his issues. Oh, that's crazy. Because all so you need that, to that do that is like, have, have a mirror. Film. Yeah, because oh, it's I like, why can't you see it? I got that. I, I, I figured it was Karis. No, I didn't. So yeah. why are we looking at, why are we looking at the Gemini killer? To make it clear that there is another person trapped. Do you know what would what would have helped? Because Blatty had a scene where the face morphs between the different people in that body, the different people possessing Karras, yeah. and he <clears throat> cut it out because he was like, it doesn't look good. Don't okay. like the effects work, which maybe would have made it clear that they're all inhabiting the maybe, same body. Maybe, I, I but I, I feel that if, if our protagonist, our eyes and ears in this scene is seeing Karras, we should be seeing Karras. Mm. There's any point in a scene, as good as Brad Dourif is. Yes. And, and it's not, I mean, it's no one's fault apart from Jason Miller who couldn't do the scenes. That's really sad, I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm. I knew he died really young, but I didn't know if it was yeah. because of some like that. It's alcoholism, I believe. So, we get a lot of information now. Uh, the Gemini killer, he says, I'm the Gemini killer, I'm able to prove it. He's saying that he was killing the priest to settle a score and securing protection for when he goes to hell. He's been taught to roar by the one, the devil. So, at this stage, Absolutely no doubt he's inhabiting other bodies and using them to do murders. Yes. This is, uh, if I was a little bit sketchy before, 100% now. Yes. Catch up Kinderman. <laughs> so. Also, the, my favourite bit is like, tell the press, tell the press I'm Gemini. It's, and say what? Say, a man in a cell is also a dead serial killer. What is it that you want? He's obsessed with Kinderman telling the press and it just seems so beneath yeah, a who demon cares? who <laughs> might be the devil that is obsessed with you telling a reporter. <laughs> Are there not other ways you can pull this shit off? Yeah. But I, he's, he's very petty. This demon seems very petty. But here's, yeah. the, here's the big question. It, when he is Brad Dourif, is he the demon or is he the reincarnated Gemini killer? In which case it makes sense for him to still be seeking the press approval or the, the recognition that he would before. Because I think at various times in this body, he is the Gemini killer. He's also Pazuzu, potentially, from the first movie. Yeah. And he also is potentially the devil himself. So there are three or four different personalities in this body at any one time. But I think when it's Brad Dourif... It is meant to be the Gemini killer because of that whole explanation where he says the 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 the, the dark one, the great one, the devil. Basically, as Father Karras was fading and passing on into heaven, yeah, he slipped out him and yeah. slipped me in. But then, if you're like, okay, yeah, all right, fine. Do you know what? I will tell the press. Tell me exactly what you want me to ex- how to mm. explain you, this. to Can them. you draft me a press release? Yeah, please. Because <laughs> otherwise, I'm saying that you've been. Are you? Or is the announcement? Why doesn't he say, "Tell the world I can do anything because I can move between bodies." and I'm back and I can do whatever I like because that's the story but person chained to the floor in a cell is also a killer is not going to work is it I mean it's not a great story it's not it's crackers yeah <laughs> uh, yeah I mean so this is where we get the revelation uh, that Gemini was sent into Karis's body as revenge for the Reagan McNeil exorcism in the first film and this would be yes. my this is my change how the fuck can you do that it can be if you agree with my reading of the first film with the happy ending with Karis this completely yeah. undermines it doesn't it yes. that, that he does not ascend to heaven yeah. following that he, 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 he 
it just I just think it spoils The Exorcist, which is a crime, I think, <laughs> in your sequel. You know, it's, it, there's certain films yeah. I hate when they ruin yeah. a, a sequel that ruins a previous film by sort of rewriting like, history. No one minds if you do a sequel and it's not as good as the first one, because fair enough, that's mm. basically the law of diminishing returns. But if you also desecrate the thing that gave yeah. you the sequel... It's like when Prometheus showed me the space jockey. You've spoiled yes. Alien a little bit for me, because now I can't unsee that. Or, or, or when, or when the, the Star Wars prequel gave me this fucking that Darth Vader was a fucking Wally it's like no you spoil it for me and then this spoils the ending of The Exorcist I think in, in, if, if, if it didn't have that neat ending where Karis does ascend to heaven if you believe in that sort of thing then I just think it undermines Alien, a much better film Alien 3 killing Hicks and Newt at the start I was going to say that I fucking wrote that down that Perfect. was the example I was going to give to you because that was the one you would have said infuriates me yes <laughs> Yep, so uh, Kinderman hears that the voice of Karras, the nice voice, so Nurse Difficult is being Nurse Nice now, and she's saying that in a nice voice, he said something like, save your servant. So Kinderman goes on a little research exercise to a library and finds out that the line, save your servant, is used in an exorcism. (gasps) So Damien is in there still trying to exercise himself out of the Body. Yeah, what have we got? We've got 15 years of his brain cells being regenerated. Oh my God, what, what? a not cool demon thing to say. <laughs> Their brain cells must regenerate. This is so far beneath your purview. You're basically the devil. You don't care about brain cells. Mm. It's it's maddening. It's so medical and physical. Mm. It's it's nonsense. Whereas the first film, it was so neat and simple. I'm trying to make everyone lose faith. I'm just trying to fuck everything lose up. Lose hope Brilliant. and lose faith yeah. in this room. Bang, simple, Because then it's also like, oh, you're an idiot demon. It's sick. It can be 15 years to get this straight. We'll go into someone else then. We'll go into a court. But it's this pettiness, <laughs> it's this pettiness again because Karis pissed him off. Yes. So, uh, and so he's spending all 15 years on this, yeah. on this bloke. So, the, so uh, your lordship, the devil, Mr. Devil, uh, this body, this is going to be good to go. Yeah. Well, I mean, good to go-ish. Oh, look, we well, said time is meaningless. So. What do you mean good to go-ish? 15 years. Come again. F- 15 years, you're going to have to sit in the cell, slowly regenerating your brain. And, and then, also, yeah. then it's party time. You've got your own ECG machine for some reason. <laughs> no one knows why. Why has he got a special bit of kit? Yeah, well, I think they've replaced the uh, ECG machines in the rest of the hospital with Dario Argento's lighting guy <laughs> because they've gone... This hospital's not really scary enough. Now we've locked it down. Let's fill it with red and blue lights in every doorway. It's good, though. It's great. Well, the the red flower has been a repeating motif, hasn't it, in the film? And you're thinking, why is that there? And and obviously shears come into it, but yeah. So good. We've got the static camera now, haven't we? I loved it. This is great. This is, this is, when this scene happened, I genuinely went, whoa. Yeah. Where the the white-robed thing comes out of the room with the shears. It's... it, it, it's funny. Terrifying. It's funny that you name check Paranormal Activity on Monday because that was all I was thinking about watching this scene. Is wow, a static camera watching nothing happen. Mm. Par- that's Paranormal Activity for for eighty minutes. Like they must have watched that and thought we can make a movie out of this <laughs> because it was completely gripping watching that nurse wander around, yeah. yep. waiting for something to happen. The cops leaving in the background, and you're like, don't go. But yeah. then they're like, oh, come back. Yeah. That's great. And the the sound as well, just background noise, just little noises. And the lighting, the lighting like me and your husband-to-be uh, used in our <laughs> short film at Goldsmiths. You remember that? I do, yeah. Good film. Thank you for that. But, but it's funny, isn't it? It's, it's become known as one of the most famous and greatest jump scares in cinema history. Yeah. And there's two, though, isn't there? Because the yeah, doctor before, jumping up yeah. in the, when you think he's asleep actually jolts you. <laughs> it was terrifying. And you think, oh, maybe that was it. And then, of course, you've got the man with the garden shears 
just but the, also it, the camera jolts forward as that happens as well mm-hmm. so you've got that additional surprise it's the walk that's the thing because the walk is sort of like this yeah, it's and just the, like really yeah, forceful very so direct and messing striding it yeah. is striding yeah then we're back in uh, the cell because uh, we haven't had enough uh, monologues uh, so this is all the Gemini killer saying that he should continue his work, but in this body, in this particular body, revenge for the exorcism, and which Father Karras expelled. Cer- I like certain parties from the body uh, <laughs> of a child. Certain parties were not pleased. So my friend, the master, devised this pretty little scheme. <laughs> That's great. As getting a way of getting back, mocking men of faith, using a priest's body to do all this killing. Sure. That's good. I like the fact that the devil's like, I got a pretty little pretty scheme little here. <laughs> it's such demon talk, though. I just find it hard. Yeah, certain parties. Well, <laughs> yeah. It's the devil a lawyer. <laughs> just, you love a contract. I do. You love a contract. So, yeah. Uh, we get all of this. Uh, the Gemini killer, we've done this, took 15 years to regenerate. I just wrote down, how long was that cell scene uh, at this point? So... Kinderman is uh, still going, who gets you out? <laughs> Who's letting you out of here? Like, first. Fucking catch up. Idiot! And then we get what I think is equal to the Shears moment uh, in terms of genuine horror and a fucking quite frightening image. The woman on the roof of the psych ward. Amazing. Brilliant. Are you, along. are you talking about Spider-Gran? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spider-Gran. <laughs> Spider-Gran. And she's going, ha, ha, ha. So, yeah. And now, uh, because as I've said multiple times on the show, every movie needs a car chase at a certain point. <laughs> Go on, get a car chase in there. That's brilliant. We've got a car chase. Uh, it's exciting, though, isn't it? Because, you know, that nurse going over with the package, yeah. she looks so frightening sitting in, in the back of that car, yeah, that serene does. look on her face. I love the moment that you think he's been distracted, the Gemini killer mm-hmm. has been distracted, and so he's, she's back to normal. She's like, what am I doing here? Mm. And then... That shot of the shears round the neck, really and it like the last second she slides her neck out. I was like, "Oh, that's good." <laughs> yeah. t- I feel like the timing is slightly off though, because I feel like she has been cut. There. I do too. Well, well, I haven't she quite got it head. right? Yeah, they didn't, go, they didn't quite time it right. Uh, but he's, he's right. Catatonics are easy to possess. <laughs> uh, Father Morning to the rescue. Father Morning fails to rescue. Who he? Uh, he, He's here and he looks badass. The way he strides down that corridor is like, this is my mo. No, it's not. No, it's not. But he does help out. Uh, My notes just say, who he and why? (laughs) I like the sticking to the ceiling thing, though. I thought that was good. Oh, yes. The gore. The gore level is great. I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, and I I feel like you were alluding to the fact that it doesn't need this big special effect spectacular exorcism. I found it quite entertaining and enjoyable. The holy water, the fire, the snakes, uh, the, 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 the sticking to the ceiling. I found it very entertaining. Yes. Yeah. Uh, is it God helping out with the lightning? Does God step in and sort of blow the whole, the floor oh, I don't know what I don't know what's going no, on. I, I suppose either. the problem is what you want is Seven, which is a person who was kind of struggling but was basically good and believed in good things and you knew that he did, suddenly believes in all bad things, mm. which is what happens at the end of Seven, sort of. So, But um, Kinderman's speech was like, I believe in bad things. It's like, I don't know who you are enough to think, oh, what a horrible fall from grace that is. In death, sure. disease, injustice, humanity, torture, anger, hate, murder, pain, cruelty, infidelity, slime, stink, every crawling, also, putrid infidelity. thing. infidelity. I mean, that's very judgy. You want to leave that out of the list, I think. Like, people 
circumstances are different. Um, I just, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be like the advocate for it, but I'm just saying. I, I feel think like it's you're a, making excuses. I think it's a bit judgy. Get married. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, so, uh, do you know who was a fan of this movie? Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm. Oh, God, really? Yeah, big fan. He, uh, he, in a 1993 interview with Inside Edition, uh, he said of this movie, it actually derives a sort of pleasure from watching The Exorcist 3, It is how he refers he to He played himself. it to victims, didn't he? Oh I think God. he had victims literally tied up and when he was waiting for the drugs to hit, they'd, he'd stick it on. Well, exactly. It's a, the MO of the Gemini killer paralysing your victims mm. so they couldn't struggle was what Dharma did. Uh, he also was a big fan of Emperor Palpatine in Return of the Jedi. Shut up, I'm sorry. Genuinely. <laughs> uh, he said, uh, he said uh, uh, his legal team uh, said he wanted that mind control. I bet he did. Emperor Palpatine had. Twat. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Exactly. Not, a, not a good guy. Uh, uh, Father Morning is still alive, though. He tells Damien to fight. He's not a complete lost cause. That's Sparrow driving him on. And uh, Damien basically, as he did in one, has to sort everything out himself <laughs> again. It's like, is it always fucking down to me? Here I am. Kill me. Kill me now. And obviously, he does. Is that... It, did the demon... Want Kinderman <clears throat> to shoot an unarmed man? I think you're being too generous. Like that would be brilliant, no? Because then Kinderman's fucked forever. Also, yeah. I just it doesn't feel like that. Because I, I, well, no, my problem. I think that's brilliant if that's true. But my problem is I think the demon's an idiot. So I don't believe the demon's got enough planning skills. But he's to not supposed to be an idiot. Is no, he? but I think he is an idiot. No, sure. But I mean, but I then mean, the kingdom is not arrested. So well, exactly because we no. get the scene at the end where they're standing by Damien Carris's grave, which is still open, which doesn't make any sense because it's a shot from earlier in the film that they repurposed for the end. And you're like, but but why? Wouldn't his body now be in the grave? Where's his body? <laughs> that made sense when he they opened up the grave and were like, oh, shit, he's not here. I climbed which out ties the into the fact that Brad Dourif, the Gemini killer, borrowed the body, climbed out of the coffin. But having it there at the end, you're like, why are you there? Mm. Where is he? Chronology. And Kinderman will get in trouble because, again, you aren't allowed to shoot a man an unarmed man and chained up yeah in a straight jacket <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's another big yeah. no-no and also all the things he's seen are not there so you'd be like no there were snakes yeah. there were loads of Kinderman's snakes in trouble here <laughs> Um, but, he, but he's not, because he's out looking at graves. He's yes. going to so, get in trouble. Is he? Yeah, yeah. No, again, again, Alex. <laughs> but you know this. You know that you can't shoot an unarmed person. In, no yeah. matter how much they've annoyed you. At the end of seven. <laughs> let's be honest. Brad he's just really annoyed him in seven. going to be looked after. He's not going to jail for shooting John Doe. Fact. Uh, great stuff. But you can't do either of those things. You can't shoot an unarmed man who's handcuffed and you can't shoot an unarmed man who's in a straitjacket. Yes. These are key points of the law, <laughs> um, no matter how much they've annoyed you. So, reading around what was in the original, maybe the book, maybe the original I've film. I've got that here, yeah. The novel, the novel. So, Blatty's original ending in the novel. It sounds really good. Uh, the novel ends with the Gemini killer summoning Kinderman to his cell for a final speech, uh, then willingly dropping dead after his alcoholic abusive father, a Christian evangelist dies of a natural death from a heart attack as his motive for the killing was always to shame his father. Mm. The Gemini's purpose for remaining on Earth no longer existed and he kills Karras in order to leave his host body. But we get none of that here. Like, I think it's really interesting finding out why the Gemini killer is doing what he's doing and yeah. preying upon religious people. It's because his father was a preacher and an evil alcoholic, whatever, and he wants to, he wants to, he wants to shame 
shame him. Mm. He wants to embarrass him. That's useful information to have. It's the kind of context that I feel like we need in this film, because otherwise yeah. I'm just scratching I, my head. I would absolutely love if we cut away from a monologue with Brad Dourif yeah. to childhood Gemini killer having an abusive father. Sure. I would just, I would add another layer to this film and I'd like that. So in Blatty's original screenplay that he wrote and shot, so the ending is similar to the novel, except that the Gemini's death is not self-induced but forced uh, suddenly by the death of his father uh, in both the novel and the early screenplay, the Gemini's motives for his murders are also given further context, da-da-da-da-da. So uh, in this uh, original version of the screenplay, Kinderman does shoot. He executes the Gemini killer. Sure. So he does shoot him, but there's none of the special effects. Yeah. Okay. Uh, obviously, uh, Morgan Creek went, uh, do you know what? We quite fancy an exorcism in <laughs> The Exorcist 3. And you mentioned this, Chris. Uh, Blatty uh, told the press he was happy to reshoot the film's ending and have the story climax uh, with a frenzy of special effects. Apparently, this compromise was forced on Blatty against his wishes, but he did want to be the one who did it. He said it was because the studio allowed him one screening... He was allowed one screening and he said whoever they assembled were just the worst people for that focus group. And Aww. they all went, no, we want an exorcism. Hey, <laughs> yeah. And so he was the one who filmed the exorcism. And he thinks it's all right, but it isn't what he originally wanted. That's all I've got anymore. I mean, that footage, some of that footage is around. There's, there's like, there's cuts of the film with using VHS standard uh, footage, trying to pull this together, the Blatty version, but... I don't know. I'm not sure I'm that bothered. No. Mm-mm. Right then, let's do the bits. Uh, v, yes. what is your best scene? Uh, chop your head off in the corridor, figuring why. Chop, 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 chop. Very good. There's uh, a reason uh, it's become so famous. It's so good. Because it's the scariest scene in the film and one of the greatest jump scares of all time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Bosh. Absolutely brilliant. That's three for three on the woman with the shears or the person with the shears. So, uh, your most valuable whatever in The Exorcist 3, Chris. Didn't give it to Blatty on Monday. Giving it to Blatty today. I mean, he didn't get to see his vision through. I'm sad for him there. Might not have been as good as this. I don't know. But he created himself some truly terrifying imagery in this film that is seared into my brain from when I first watched it when I was 15. So for that alone, I'm giving it to your man. Uh... I'll jump in here and go, George C. Scott, Chris. <laughs> I, great Scott. He's fantastic. I absolutely love him in this movie. I, I, I love the look on his face, how bewildered he is by some of the things that carp monologue is mwah, brilliant. So it's all about George C. Scott. Yeah, I should have qualified it with, with uh, he doesn't, I'm giving him a pass for the carp thing because of the scares. Sure. Bloody. Go on then. Uh, Mary Jackson as Mrs. Clelia. Mrs. Clelia. She's what the fucking fuck amazing. Fuck. How does she do it every She's time? Amazing. <laughs> every week. William Peter yeah. can't have it. In some places, this is not good directed, right? Mm. It just isn't. And the car thing, no, you do not know. Yeah. George C. Scott is too much, and that's the director's uh, responsibility to rein that shit in. He's not too you much. Can't, you can't control George <laughs> C. Scott. He is, Have you ever heard any stories about he's him? He's a force of nature. And when you're filming that ginormous scene with Brad Dourif, are you not like, God, we've been here a long time, and you've just said... But you're going you're gonna to edit it, right, William? You are editing this down. And you're going to change the words from a demon from hell of brain cell regeneration. <laughs> like, I can't bear it. So, oh. I honestly, Mrs. Clearly blew me away. It's amazing. Yeah. So, there we are. Okay. So, uh, finally, what would you change, V? You're going to be cross because I can't articulate it. 
because uh, I'm an it's idiot. George C. Scott, I'm going to be very angry. No, so because... I really believe Damien Karras is dead and I have believed it for quite a long time. And even when I see him in a cell, I was like, but the man died. Mm. And we were talking about a Gemini killer. So I was like, it's his twin. <laughs> so because I know that's ridiculous, but this film is ridiculous. I've just had the dream sequence in heaven. Mm. This film can do anything as far as I'm concerned. Mm. So we were using Gemini, Gemini twins. Great. Damien's dead. That's his twin. And I'm waiting for the twin thing to happen the whole time. And I was like... It's really him? That's wild. And then it climbed out of a coffin and then he's in there somewhere and then there's someone else. But George C. Scott can't see Brad Dourif, so what's happening? And I was waiting for someone to go, oh, we've done a DNA test and it's uh, it's his twin. And <laughs> So make it his twin is my change. Mm. And leave Damien alone. He's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris... Uh, I think George C. Scott's inability to emote like a human being <laughs> sort of spoils this film a little bit. So I've just written "Bring Back Cobb." I think uh, he, I think he was dead, but we, we've proved we can regenerate people can in this film. Anything. So bring back the actor Lee J. Cobb because mm. I do not like this Kinderman. I my change is more George C. Scott. He's phenomenal in this, and he's Can't not take it. Can he? When someone disagrees, when you first see his enough. daughter, she's like, "Daddy," you're like, "Daddy." What? <laughs> really? Yeah. What's happened there? I mean, she could definitely be my daughter. George, could she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bear right, how old was Lee J. Cobb in The Exorcist? This is 15 years later. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's so true. Something strange is going on here. 85 years old. Bad casting. Uh, oh, I want to see a carp in a bath. Uh, don't tease me with talk of a carp I in a bath. I want to see Mrs. Kinderman bash that carp over the I, head. I want more post, credit, post credit scene. Yeah. <laughs> and fill it Bang, up. bang, bang. <laughs> uh, right then. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Great. Who wants a verdict? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! Not usually a question, is it? <laughs> oh, no, I didn't mind it. Sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Okay. I mean, whatever. Whatever, Vicky. Uh, there are some great moments in Exorcist 3, but you can't mess with the OG, which is a rhyme you've already used. I love The Exorcist. I think it's one of the best films ever made. The end. It's The Exorcist, obviously. Alex. <sighs> Get out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do you know what it is? I don't know if... I, I don't know that I feel so strongly about this that I'm prepared to have the kicking directed at me. You won't me. get a kicking because it won't win, so you're fine. I know it won't win, but I think even verbalising it is probably some sort of desecration some balls, of movie mate. history. <laughs> Grow some balls. Um, yeah, fuck it. Why not? Let's do it. Let's roll the dice on this one. Uh, so, uh I just, I, I just, I, I preferred the Exorcist three. I, mm. I think it should have been a TV series. Personally, <laughs> I could have stayed in that world and wandered around the corridors of that hospital and seen weird shit happening over and over again for hours. I wasn't bored. Uh, I got bored in the cell, but I think as a setting, this weird hospital and like patients being murdered and statues being desecrated and the weird lighting. I was like, this is great, and this film is just so weird like movies like this aren't made very often because it's just they so no money. <laughs> <laughs> off kilter and i think cherish that and champion a film that has a monologue about a carp in it has <laughs> this great performance from george c scott in the middle of it i i don't find the original exorcist scary i can respect it and i don't not like it 
but I just I just didn't connect with it. Whereas the Exorcist three, it just it played to some of my weirder sensibilities, and so can I, I say you've made me like it more because last week when you said you'd watched it and you were like it's actually quite good, and then I watched it, I was going to message both and be like fuck off, <laughs> the fuck off, stop wasting my time. But the way that you talk about it and its loopiness, mm. you are making me appreciate it a lot more. So you've done a good job today. Okay, well then I don't feel so bad about voting for the Exorcist three <laughs> over the Exorcist. Uh, so, 1-1. One, one. The Exorcist is frightening. The Exorcist 3 is much more frightening. It's got some imagery I will never get out of my head, but I'm not sure it's a particularly good film. For a lot of the reasons we've explored, it was out of Blatty's hands, some of this. Whereas The Exorcist is an exceptional film, it's one of the best horror films of all time, it's one of the best movies of all time, it's an easy win. It's The Exorcist. Yep, no complaints over here. I think if The Exorcist 3 had won, we'd all be retiring next week. <laughs> so we have a winner, and unsurprisingly, it is 1973's The Exorcist. Don't forget, though, you can have your say and tell us how right or wrong you think we got it when the listener poll goes up on Twitter, where we are at ClashPod. Let's look ahead to our second Shocktober Clash of 2023, the clue Chris gave on mm. Monday's episode. I came up with a great clue. You did. And it was that they're both period pieces <laughs> uh, from my brain. So, um, <laughs> and so we're doing uh, the original Carrie and Ginger Snaps. Yeah. We're doing the original Carrie and Ginger Snaps. Carrie's available all over the place. Ginger Snaps is available to rent on Apple and Amazon. So it is Carrie versus Ginger Snaps next week as our annual countdown to the greatest night of the year. Halloween continues with week two of Shocktober. Until then, do follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, where we are at ClashPod. Check out our YouTube channel for loads of videos, which are great fun. That's Clash of the Titles on YouTube. And don't forget, we'll be back with part one on Monday as we talk Carrie. Have a lovely, lovely weekend. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.